bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Come on. Bring them out, bring them out. Hey. Hello and welcome to episode number 15 of the Rosh and Spratto Show. I'm Austin Roshlo. And I'm Brandon Spratt. And uh, it's exciting times here in Minnesota sports. Football is getting back. Uh, we've had some contract extensions in hockey. Um, and the trade deadline's coming up. Yeah, it's kind of that part of the summer where, you know, a, a market with a baseball team that's not in it kind of like the twins at this point uh start shifting to uh to to a football dominated market and certainly with vikings training camp opening and like you said some wild free agent news uh their training camp starts up in you know obviously longer but you know only about a month and a half so uh a reminder that fall and then eventually winter are on the way and don't forget that college football camps start next week that they do i i know you have uh <laughs> Have very much an awareness of that uh, down in Lawrence, but uh, but yeah, another exciting college football season. I've been seeing a lot of tweets this week about media days and preseason watch lists and all that. So I think it's uh, it's safe to say college football is right around the corner. Well, to ease us into this podcast, how about we start off uh, with some trivia, as we're going to start doing every episode. Um, so let's get right into it. Number one. Talking about media days, what three players represented the University of Minnesota at Big Ten Media Day? Oh, um, I know we had uh, Carter Coughlin. Yep. Rodney Smith. Yep. Oh, and the third one. Oh, man. This might get me. He might be my favorite player on the team. Really? Yeah, I love the way this kid plays. All right. Antoine Winfield? Nope. Oh, dang. Thomas Barber. Oh, Thomas Barber, that's right, yeah. Getting two out of three, I'll still give you the point. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot about Thomas Barber. He had certainly a great season last year, and I know he's been uh, on some watch lists as well that we just mentioned. Yeah, he's such a physical linebacker. He's kind of, kind of brings back the old school Ray Lewis type linebacker where he is going to, I mean, he's going to hit the hole as, as hard as the running back, if not harder. Uh, so question number two here. How old is Joe Maurer? <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Joe Maurer, Joseph Patrick Maurer of St. Paul, Minnesota, I believe is 35 years old. You are correct. Two for two on points so far. Oh, let's go. Having a, another fine season as well as Mr. Maurer. Yes, he is. All right. Uh, do you think he'll be back next year? I do. I do. Um, unless, you know, unless, I, I don't know. You know, I guess we don't really know with the concussion thing, you know, how scared of that he is at this point. And certainly I think there's, it'd be legit. You know, if he wants to hang him up at the end of this year, citing his, his head injuries, I don't think anybody could blame him. But I think he'll be back uh, on a one-year deal next year. Yeah, I think if he has one more head injury as the season goes on that he might hang him up. Yep. But if, if he remains uh, if he remains healthy, um, I I too see him coming back next year. And I think that um, getting Brent Rooker up next year and being able to play with Maurer for half a season would be nothing but good for him. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, certainly, you know, I hope by twenty nineteen we won't need Robbie Grossman or 
Logan Morrison to take up DH at bats. So those uh, DH at bats can, you know, maybe we'll get some more to Maurer, uh, Snell, and then eventually as the season goes on, yeah, hoping to see Brent Rooker uh, up here in Minnesota. All right, so question number three. What two free agents did the Timberwolves sign this offseason? Uh, it would have been uh, Anthony Tolliver. Yep. And, ooh, I guess so. Mm. See, I'm thinking D. Rose, but he was like... Okay. Yeah, so Derek Rose. <laughs> I, I just didn't know if there was a different one because obviously D. Rose ended the year with us, but, uh, but I knew we were bringing him back, which, you know... He looks pretty decent in the playoffs, so uh, we'll see where he fits in with the squad next year. Yeah, you know, some people don't like the re-signing of Derrick Rose because they think it means less minutes for Tyus. Mm-hmm. Um, it could mean less minutes for Tyus, but I also think that um, that they could play Derrick Rose and Tyus in the same backcourt a little bit. Uh, I heard Tibbs That's say true. that quite a bit. So just because we signed Derrick Rose doesn't necessarily mean – the end for Tyus Jones here. Right, and, you know, I know Jeff Teague will obviously still slot in as the starter more than likely, but, you know, you have three relatively capable point guards, and I don't know if there's huge differences. You know, I think each kind of has their own skill set, and yeah. maybe we'll see a little more of a point guard by committee, although I still think Jeff Teague will obviously be the starter, but maybe diminished minutes? I'm not sure. I guess we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So number four, this one might be the toughest one for you. What Kansas basketball player announced he would be transferring this week? Oh, wow, you're right. This, <laughs> this is going to be a tough one here. Um, well, the Billy Preston debacle is over. Um, what a debacle it was. Um, I know this probably isn't right, but I'm just going to say Mitch Lightfoot. No, but it is supposedly his best friend on the team, and that is oh, Sam no. Cunliffe. Oh, okay. Yep. With with I, all the I've talent, with all the talent down here in Lawrence, uh, Cunliffe decided it was best in his best interest to transfer out after transferring in just two seasons ago from Arizona State. Does he have a new home yet, or is he uh, still on the lookout? I think he's still on the lookout. Okay. So three for four. That's pretty good. It's a passing grade. <laughs> uh, number five. What year was Paul Molitor inducted into the Hall of Fame? Oh, <laughs> Ooh, that's a tough one. It's going to be uh, probably late nineties, early two thousands. I'm guessing. Uh, let's go two thousand and one. Three years off. If you can guess which way, I'll give you the I'll give you the point. I'm gonna say '98, 2004. Uh, let's go for dang. Yeah, he's probably still playing in '93, which means the five years rule. But uh, yeah. But oh well. All right, Paul Mother, 2004. Yep. The reason I knew that was because I think the Twins or somebody tweeted about it today or yesterday, so it was fresh oh, in my God. mind. Speaking of Hall of Fame and twins, Jack Morris going in the Hall of Fame this weekend in Cooperstown. Uh, congrats to him on the accomplishment, although I hope I never have to listen to him on another twins broadcast again. I was going to say, the best part about Jack Morris going into the Hall of Fame is that means there's no way we will see him on a broadcast for the next week. 
Right. He's been off a few weeks preparing, and Burt Blylevin took a few weeks off to join him in Cooperstown, so I, that's also a plus. And uh, Twins fans have been treated to Roy Smalley on the current road trip, which has been a, just a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Twins team might not be playing well, but at least uh, at least the booth has some some talent. Eh, some. <laughs> so number six, who were the first two Minnesota United MLS players? Ooh. Wow, that's a really good one. Was it uh, Christian Ramirez and Ibsen? It was Justin Davis and Kevin Venegas. Wow. Okay. Because, yeah, I was thinking it was NASL guys who came over because that was probably before the draft, but wow. That obviously hasn't turned out. Uh, <laughs> JD is playing for Nashville, I believe, and. I'm just going to Google here real quick where Kevin Venegas is playing his uh, soccer right now. Oh, he plays for the Indy 11, it says. Okay. So a couple NASL guys. Is, isn't NASL folding this year? Uh, or, or I no, it was going to, I think. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That okay. league is it, – it's in limbo, but – uh, J- we, we might see JD in the MLS again soon as Nashville is – Coming to the MLS in two years, maybe? Yeah, very true. Uh, you know, good for JD uh, as well. You know, those were our first two signings. Thankfully, uh, for as much maligned as, you know, Manny Lagos and his staff have been, they have brought in some some better players that, than those guys have. And uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, yes, we will. So number seven, before sweeping the Twins last weekend... Who was the last team to be swept by the Kansas City Royals? It was the Twins. It was not. Oh, it wasn't? Wow. It was the Detroit Tigers over oh, a year was, ago. That was my other guess. See, I okay. Because I know after the after the series last weekend, the last series the Royals won was against <laughs> the Twins at, at the end of May. But uh but yeah, Royals are bad. Um, they've I think won like four series all season long. Twins are bad. <laughs> Twins are also not great. This is true. But apparently they play baseball better north of the border. <laughs> hashtag this is how we baseball. But uh, Who thought that that was a like, good hashtag? You know, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not really sure. And now it's emblazoned on the outfield wall as well. Yeah, but, it's bad. Man. Number eight, a little bit out of left field here. When is LeBron James' birthday? It's December 31st. I'll give it to you. December 30th. It's the 30th. Damn it. I knew it was right around New Year's Eve. Oh, so close. Yeah. LeBron going to L.A., of course, in case you've been living under a rock. Um, yeah, he'll be joined there by uh, Mr. Michael Beasley of K-State fame. <laughs> Michael Beasley, Rajon Rondo, JaVel McGee, Lance Stevenson. Just yeah, they, man, <laughs> they have some kind of personalities in that locker room. The only way that that team would be perfect is if they can sign Nick Young and somehow trade for J.R. Smith. Yeah, that would that would be something. There are a lot of egos already collecting in that L.A. room. Be interesting to see how uh, Coach LeBron manages manages them all. Yeah, I think that uh, his son should hire Bill Walton onto the staff there. Yeah, 
Luke and Bill, the dream team. <laughs> Could you imagine Bill Walton coaching LeBron? You know, it's it's interesting. I, I read an article a few weeks back about Luke Walton, what he was doing, like when, you know, they found out that uh, they were getting LeBron. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he called his dad, and his dad was at a Grateful Dead concert. Of course he which was. Which is so on brand for Bill Walton. So I just thought it was a pretty decent piece of journalism to get that in there. Yeah. Uh, number nine. Who is the last head coach to lose a bowl game to the University of Minnesota? To lose a bowl game? Yeah, to the University of Minnesota. Okay, that would be uh, Mike Leach. It would be. Yes, the good old Holiday Bowl 2016. One of, I mean, I watched the game and I don't remember anything about it, so that'll tell you how boring it was. I remember Coney Durr playing really well. True. I also seem to remember uh, a a horrible Mischleiner pass, something we got used to over the years, (laughs) being tipped up into the air, easily interceptable, right into the hands of Shannon Brooks for a touchdown. I also remember that. But yeah, last bowl in for the Gophers. I'm not sure we'll see them in one this year, but uh, time will tell. It sure will. And last but not least, number 10, uh, you know my dad, Nick. Uh, he is. He has been the umpire for two future MLB All Stars when they were in high school. Can you name the two All Stars? Oh, I know one for sure because he was just <laughs> traded the other day, and his name is Brad Hand now of Cleveland Indians. Yep. And the other one. Oh wow. Hmm. Could it be Joe Mauer? It could be. <laughs> oh, there we go. I was surprised the first one you had was Brad Hand. I don't know why, but I just always remember that about how Brad Hand's from Chaska and your dad got to umpire. Yeah. His state tournament game or something, so. He sure did. So that is six out of ten points for you. How do you think uh, your trivia performance was this week? You know, I know it wasn't as good as the last one, but uh, but I thought it was a good, good mix of questions. Well, thank um, you. I'm, I'm impressed with our research department for uh, <laughs> digging them up. All right. So as we move on, uh, I think the first topic we should dig into is the trade deadline approaching um, next week. So it'll be very twins twin centric. Um, so I guess my first question is, uh, what do you think is going to happen? This is always a tough one for me, the trade deadline, especially when your team is a seller because, you know, there's the human side, you know, there's the business side, but then there's also the human side of it. And uh, I just, I don't know. You know, Brian Dozier, before, I, I was all on the trade Brian Dozier bandwagon. Then he had a nice little run before the All-Star break. Now he's kind of back to, you know, struggling, scuffling a little bit again. Two for 22 so, since the All-Star break. Right, so I don't know how what you're actually going to get for Brian Dozier, but you know, if there's a chance to move Brian, I, I certainly wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, as far as you know, Eduardo Escobar and, and Kyle Gibson, you know, some of the more valuable pieces are concerned. You know, I would probably hold out for a pretty good offer uh, for either of those players. You know, I don't think you need to move either of those players. Although you could certainly make an argument, Escobar is a free agent, you should move. But 
he's honestly, if he keeps up his play, could be entering qualifying offer territory to the point where if you get him back next year for 15, 16 million, it's not the end of the world on a one year deal. Uh, and obviously Gibson is under team control for a couple more years. So you would certainly have to be uh, quite overwhelmed to, to move Gibson, but I guess we'll see what happens. Certainly. I think especially after the Indians made their move uh, to shore up the bullpen and then the twins got swept in Kansas city, that should put the nail in the coffin that this team needs to sell at least a few pieces. Yeah, so I have a list here of players, and I guess we'll just go name by name and, and see what you think. Okay. Uh, so, in my predictions, I think that Dozier will be gone. Okay. I think Lance Lynn will be gone. Uh, yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who would trade for him either, unless the Twins. But I'll, I'll let you keep going. Uh, I think Zach Duke will be gone. Mm-hmm. I think there's a 50-50 chance Escobar, Escobar's gone. And uh, I think there's a better and better chance every day that Kyle Gibson could be gone. Mm-hmm. I think that he could be somebody that you could get a pretty decent haul for. Uh, he's pitching really, really well. And uh, at this point in the season, you know, why not give innings to Steven Gonsalves and Fernando Romero? Yeah, I think especially, this is one I've seen especially today, is Kyle Gibson uh, to the Brewers. The Brewers are in desperate need of starting pitching. Their free fall has sort of begun, and you know Kyle Gibson's been a rather dependable starter, especially over the last few months. So I think Gibson to the Brewers packaged with either Dozier or Esquire makes a lot of sense. Uh, certainly, you know, if you do that with Gibson with a few more years of team control, um, I think you would uh, you would want to see a pretty good return there, you know, from the Brewers. But I, I would agree. I think you know if the Brewers or even you know another team, it could really be any contending team, give a nice offer. You know, you got to sell high and give you. You, you don't have to, but it certainly wouldn't be a bad idea. You know, I don't think his trade value gets any higher than this. You know, as he gets closer to free agency. Yeah, and you know, speaking of the Brewers, just real quick, what do you think of their fans giving Josh Hader a standing ovation on Saturday? And then the other night as well, um, the second time he came in. You know, it's uh, – I'm trying to remember what the tweet was that I saw that kind of summed it up really, really well. But, you know, it's more or less – I can accept, you know, his his teammates all seem to think he's, he's a great guy and – you know, he seemed to at least apologize. I can accept that, but to see the fans going out of their way to give yeah. a standing ovation doesn't sit very well, but I don't know. Yeah, you know, I agree. Um, and, and not to make this political, but it just, you know, maybe maybe just let it be. You know, you, yeah. don't, you don't have to boo the guy um, because... From all accounts, he was young, and his, his all of his teammates love him. Um, but at the same time, I don't think you need to, to go out and, and give him a standing ovation uh, like he's a survivor of something, you know? No, I, I would totally agree with that, and yeah. Um, so yeah, anything else on, on the Twins trade deadline? 
you know, it'll it'll just be interesting to see. I mean, I know there's been people all over Twitter, you know, Twins Twitter, Seth Stowe is an Aaron Gleeman, you know, if you're a Twins fan, pretty good chance you follow, you know, a few of those people saying that, you know, we just need to sometimes cut bait with someone like a Logan Morrison or a Lance Lynn and just, you know, even if it's to get a, you know, 26-year-old minor leaguer up here to get, you know, plate appearances, let's do that instead of trotting these guys out. And I wholeheartedly agree. And, you know, when your team's out of contention, that's kind of what makes the second half fun is giving, you know, plate appearances to, to those guys, you know, the Jake Caves and the Mitch Garvers and, the, you know, give innings to the Gabriel Moyes, who hasn't been up in a while, and John Curtis and all that. So certainly hope the Twins, you know, realize that Matt Belisle is not a valuable piece of the roster. <laughs> Uh, but it doesn't seem like they're backing off that either, which is kind of disappointing. One more name real quick that I think could be moved, uh, Ryan Presley. I think that there are some numbers that show that he is better than maybe his numbers indicate. Yeah. And uh, I think that there could be a playoff team or two that, that really would value his services. Yeah, I think it's it's similar. I think Presley and Gibson are similar spots where yeah. it's like – you know their value is never going to be higher. I, I think that they'd probably have to be overwhelmed to trade either, but certainly possible. And one last thing on Escobar, um, you know, as much as we would hate to see see him go, it, it's kind of like a, a little bit of an Eduardo Nunez situation. I think, you know, I think Escobar certainly has more of a track record with the organization than Nunez did. But Nunez was in the midst of a nice season. They're similar types of utility players, and. Uh, you know, the Twins did move him. Was that? Yeah, that would have been two years ago now. So, you know, I think it's been documented. Phillies, Brewers, any other number of teams could use his services. So, And also Brian Dozier. Uh, I, I think Red Sox would be a good fit for him. What do you think about that? You know, all those all those warning track fly balls at Target Field are out at Fenway. Yeah, you know, I think... I think Boston would be a perfect fit for him. I just think it depends on where they view Dustin Pedroia and his injuries and, yeah. and stuff like that. So um, there's a little bit more going on there, whereas a team like the Phillies or the Brewers have obvious needs there. True, um, true. One last question about the Twins. What are some things that you are still excited about with the final two months of the season well yeah i kind of just touched on that a little bit you know getting some of those new faces plate appearances especially mitch garver i'm all on team <laughs> let's play mitch garver like 75 percent of the time instead of 50 but um yeah interested to see you know who's gonna get their mlb debuts you know certainly i think you said steven gonsalves pitched really well again last night you know, even if the strikeout and walk numbers have been a little off, he's been dominant the last month and a half. Yeah. So I think his time is coming, and certainly a spot could be made with Lance Lynn, you know, either DFA'd or traded or released or whatever. Um, and I don't know if I'm so much excited to see, but just intrigued to see if how Irvin Santana can, can bounce back and if, you know, maybe he gets four or five starts to recoup a little value and then they can maybe move him ahead of the or the waiver trade deadline uh, August 31 certainly Irvin pitched decent today five innings three hits or three runs excuse me gave up some hard hit balls you know he wasn't super sharp but he didn't get lit up like a Christmas tree like a lot of people thought I think yeah you know I've always been a fan of Irv and 
I will continue to cheer for him. A couple things I'm excited for, you brought up Gonsalves. I'm, I'm excited for the young guys coming up. Gonsalves, I think we might see the debut of Nick Gordon this season. Um, and at the very least, that will at least be intriguing, uh, especially if especially if Escobar or Dojo are traded. I think it's inevitable to see Gordon. Um, because if they are, there's a good chance he's penciled in as the everyday second baseman next year or shortstop, depending on what right. they want to do with Polanco. But, um, and I don't think they want to do that having zero MLB experience. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see how he does. He hasn't had a, a great season thus far at AAA after dominating AA. Um, so, yeah, just, just seeing the young guys and seeing how they progress. Um, I mean, heck, if Brent Rooker keeps True. mashing double A, uh, I think he needs to walk a little bit more. So I'd be surprised if he gets a call up this season. But, um, yeah, just, just keeping track of those guys, watching Alex Kirloff just dominate minor True. league baseball, uh, Royce Lewis is hitting like 320 I think in high A so at the very least we we still have some fun things to follow even if the major league team isn't as uh isn't as exciting one I would also add the hopeful eventual returns of Byron Buxton and Miguel Snow you know if if this is to be a contending team in the next few years these guys are still very much part of it you know Buxton at 24 and Snow now 25 so interested to see if they can come back uh, and, and get healthy I think that's the most important part Heading into the off season Is that they're healthy Not even necessarily The, the major league performance And uh, as far as Snow You know Saw a picture of him The other day at AAA It looks like he Lost weight pretty quickly Down in Fort Myers So Yeah there's reports He lost 20 pounds In a month Yeah Saw that as well So If that's what he can do In a month You know Hopefully they can get him Back down there In the off season Get committed to you know, a good conditioning plan, and, and maybe he can come back stronger than ever next season to to man third base a little bit more. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, for a team that has gotten almost nothing from either Bucks nor Snow this year, it could be almost considered a miracle that they might be 47 and 53 after 100 games, even if they are out of it. Yeah, I mean, and it's not just those guys. You haven't gotten anything no. from Buxton, Sano. Morrison has been terrible. Irvin Santana just made a season debut. Your um, starting catcher's been out most of the year. Your starting shortstop has got half the year. Yeah, I mean, it. So I, you know, it certainly could be a lot worse, and I think there certainly still is. Uh, there's a foundation to to build upon for next year if they can get some guys healthy. I sure hope so. Well, <laughs> I think we should move on. Uh, enough talking about a losing team let's talk about a winning team how about minnesota united getting nine points in eight days well this was this was great you know i mean coming into it i know you know there were a lot of people saying oh can the loons get you know maybe six seven points out of nine you know to maybe just kind of buoy their season a little bit and you know nine points wasn't out of the realm of question i think a lot of people would have scoffed at that at the time but they don't need to scoff anymore because they did it. They pull off the trifecta over uh, Real Salt Lake, New England Revolution, and then the resounding 5-1 win over the Western Conference leaders, LAFC. Yeah, you know, they didn't beat up on 
bad teams. Like, it wasn't no. Colorado, San Jose. Because if it was, we probably would have got, like, four points out of the deal. Um, I mean, I, New England, I believe, is in the playoffs. I know Real Salt Lake is in the playoffs right now. And like you said, LAFC is, is leading the Western Conference. And to take well, actually nine, second. Oh, well. I, I'll correct myself. But, yeah, I mean, Real Salt Lake are in the playoffs right now on 30 points. And uh, New England are on 28 with, you know, also in sixth place. So these were three teams that were ahead of them in the standings. Yeah, and so to, to do what they did was very fun. The way they played, um, I mean, I don't think there's more words to be said about Darwin Quintero and what he's meant to this team. Um, he's so incredible, man, at the MLS level. Um, I don't know, I mean, why Club America thought that this dude wasn't valuable. I mean, he is dominating the MLS game right now. Yeah, I mean, he just has the ball on a string seemingly every time he touches it. You know, he can do whatever he wants with it. He's got the defenders, I mean, really hesitant, you know, to defend him too. You can just tell they're kind of intimidated by him. And and just, you know, he he's really bossing the game from an attacking standpoint. And, you know, that's not to say he's, you know, I know we've kind of made, you know, jokes that it's been Darren Quintero all by himself in attack all season. But, you this know. This last week it wasn't. No, it wasn't. And, you know, Miguel Abarra's had a solid season. And he showed up last week and. Uh, the reappearance of Superman is is, is the the inbound competition from our second DP pushing Superman to play well again. Okay, I wanted to talk about this because I do love Christian Ramirez, mm-hmm. and I think that he has an innate scoring ability. However, however, I think that the last two games might be an anomaly in what this season has been because I still see him just like on crossed balls and balls in the box that are at his feet uh for the most part he's still just super awkward and like can't get a foot to something like really can't get ahead to anything um you could kick it from three feet away straight at his face and somehow he'd avoid it like uh scoring three goals in two games is very impressive uh the first one was kind of gifted to him a little bit uh still a solid finish though yeah a solid finish And, and that's what he excels at is if if you've seen that goal that's a christian ramirez goal Yes, it is. Not one where he has to, or just deflects it in or something like that. That was a goal scorer's goal. Um, the the second goal against L.A. was just a brilliant pass from Miguel Ibarra. Yep. Uh, the first goal was all effort from Christian, and that's something that looks like it's been up. The work rate from Ramirez since the signing of Rodriguez uh, has been noticeably more um i'm just still still a little bit worried about his game because even in those games where he scored the goals there were still two or three more like really good chances that just went by the wayside because christian was flailing or something 
so here's sort of what I think about Christian Ramirez. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I think a lot of it kind of comes down to, you know, last year when he was hot and scoring the goals, those flaws and concerns were all still there. We just kind of accepted them, A, because, well, we didn't really have a better option. I mean, we had <laughs> exciting Abu Dunlady, but, you know, he wasn't a proven MLS quantity at the time, and Christian was playing well. So I think we accepted those flaws as, okay, this is his flaws, but he's a good finisher, and he had that confidence. Those flaws have just been a bit exacerbated this year because the rest of his game wasn't there. Like you said, the effort, certainly, was it a hamstring injury he had earlier this year that forced him out of some games so you know I just think he's getting his groove back a little bit and I agree you know the flaws that you mentioned absolutely exist they are valid and they're not going away anytime soon but you know the the poacher's ability that that he shows and like you said he he scores goals scores goals and with solid finish as well so I, I don't see Christian going anywhere anytime soon from this roster but certainly the it's going to be interesting to see what Angelo Rodriguez can bring now that I saw he's officially in training. Yeah, you know, I'm not asking for Christian to be traded, and I love mm-hmm. Christian Ramirez. I mean, mm-hmm. shoot, I have a Christian Ramirez scarf. Like, <laughs> I, I am a fan, even though it sounds like I'm not. Uh, and I think that if they did trade him, that the fan base would just revolt. I mean, actually revolt. Um, so I really don't think that that's a possibility. I think that Abu Dhamadi's time with the team is short, although I don't know who would want a guy who can't stay healthy, and that's been the rap on him since college. Um, Really, really talented kid. I mean, we saw that last year. Oh, yes. But who cares if you can't play? Um, One other thing at striker is... I think Mason Toy has been the most underutilized asset on this team. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously with Christian and now Rodriguez, I don't know how much game action he can get here. Uh, but when he does play, he brings so much energy and does so many smart things for a 19. I mean, he's younger than us. Yeah. Uh, he played basketball until he was 14 and then was like, let's give this soccer thing a try again. Which is absolutely incredible. I mean, he was like an AAU, like, good basketball player. Um, And so I think that – and this I dove into a little bit in my article a couple weeks ago about the Loons. I think that they need a USL team or, you know, partner up with an NASL team where they can loan guys like that out. Yeah. Um, you know, Alex Knapp, the, the goal or cap, cap yeah. yeah, the young goalie that they have, Wyatt Omsberg, Wyatt Omsberg. Uh, I would keep Carter Manley cause I really like his okay. game and I think he, you know, I would keep him just in case of injuries on, right. on the main team. But, you know, Mason toy now with Rodriguez in town, um, they're just players that are, I feel like are wasting away on the bench when they could be, I mean, playing and being stars at a, a USL, NASL level uh, and just becoming better soccer players instead of, like I said, just wasting away on the bench. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that point. But I guess, you know, to where Toy is at now, 
I think the role he's in is probably suits where his game is at at the moment. You know, maybe not fit to start against, you know, and play 70 minutes against an MLS team. But for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, he can come on and, and have that high work rate. And like you said, I think it was the Revs game where, you know, he got the ball and he went straight to the corner with yeah. it, you know, to kill time. And that was super impressive to see for a young player. So if he can do that and, and just bring that energy, you know, when he is used and just keep learning the game, you know, I, I think that's great for him. He's what, like you said, 19 years old. So, you know, without the USL affiliate, this is probably, unfortunately, the best we can do. But at least he, you know, I think the, the fact that he even comes on at all shows that Adrian Heath does trust him in that role, which is good. True. I, <clears throat> I just wonder now how much he'll be used with Rodriguez because I feel like if, let's say, Ramirez starts and you have Rodriguez and Toy on the bench you might be criticized for bringing in the 19-year-old over your designated player. Or if Rodriguez starts and you have Ramirez and Toy on the bench, you know, like I said, the fan base will revolt if Christian Ramirez doesn't play. So I just think in the That's situation true. that now it looks like they're going to be in, I just I, I hope he still gets to play. But if he doesn't, uh, <clears throat> having a relationship with the USL team or getting a... You know, Minnesota United, too, like many MLS teams have now, um, would, would be the perfect opportunity for him. Uh, I don't remember what game it was. I feel like it was about a month ago, a home game. We were maybe down one. But Mason Toy was brought on and got a shot on target and was just, I mean, like the lone person in the offensive half of the field pumping up the crowd, you know. And, and I love that about him. You know, he's very he's a very emotional player, uh, as I feel most 19-year-olds are. It's just kind yeah. of how they're wired. Um, but I, I really like Mason Toy, and I'm excited for his future. I just hope he doesn't start just sitting on the bench. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Uh, so do you have anything else on Minnesota United? Uh, just you know, the three five two continues to uh, to shine. It does. Adrian Heath deserves so much credit for that. He does. You know, he we, does. We have a friend who has been saying Heath out for a year now, but make, making that move was the best thing that's happened to the team all season. Behind maybe, well, probably behind signing Darwin Quintero. Yeah. Just a quick interjection. Mitch Garver has now driven in three runs today. His twins lead 5-3 in the eighth inning. Hashtag saying, start Bobby free Mitch. <laughs> Hashtag free Mitch. <laughs> and guess what? Uh, Toronto had the infield in. Runners on second and third. He got a fastball away and just poked it through the infield. Wow. You know what Brian Dozier would have done? Either struck out or <laughs> rolled over to the left side or popped it up. Yeah, I mean, you're saying. not wrong. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway... This isn't a this isn't a Twins uh, live podcast, but yeah, uh, you know Minnesota United are they're on a roll. But you know we mentioned this in the last uh, episode as well, I believe. You know now they now is where the rubber hits the road. Yeah. You know, Can you do 20, it on the road? Twenty twenty one games in that means they have thirteen or fourteen to go. You know they they did their job right. They've won four home games in a row here in July, three in a row uh, over the span of eight days, like you said. 
they firmly put themselves back in a playoff race. But now they're going to have to prove it and get tough results on the road if they want to stay in it. Yeah, it's. I think six of the next seven are on the road, mm-hmm. and so it now is where you either show that you're for real or that this was just a little flash in the pan. Yeah, absolutely, and and all credit to them uh, for what they've done. You know, to even get themselves to this point is you know a lot more than people were expecting. Once again, in year two, you know, kind of like last year, we were going to be the worst team ever, and then they weren't, and. <laughs> You know, not to say that the team is, you know, drastically overachieving, but, you know, I think they've shown the ability at times to, to kind of shut up and silence some of their critics. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see that that's the kind of mentality in the locker room. And, you know, I think Adrian Heath does deserve some credit for that. He certainly, I don't know what the word is, but, you know, he kind of has that attitude of like, hey, let's prove them the hell wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that fiery attitude. Yeah. Do you think Romario Barra starts taking the place of Alexi Gomez on the left wing? That'll be interesting to see. Um, probably. I'm not sure uh, what Ibarra, Romario that is. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what Romario, his experience defending is. Um, but certainly we have Miguel Ibarra on the other side who, you know, he tracks back a little bit but isn't exactly adept. Uh, at defending, to be honest, and you know, I think we've talked about Alexi Gomez not being the greatest defender either. So and being uh, an y- absolute clown on Wednesday against New England, that penalty <laughs> that he can see or oh, I allowed about was. Did you have to remind me of that? That was terrible. That that's the worst soccer play that I've ever seen. Yeah. So. <laughs> I guess taken in light of that, Romario cannot be a lot worse <laughs> defensively because that's just yeah, not a lot of awareness there by uh, by Alexi Gomez. So certainly, I think you know Romario can can come in and he got his debut. Uh, was it against LA? LA? Yeah, LA yeah. on Sunday. Got his debut against LA on Sunday. So I think as we've seen with a lot of players, you know maybe he'll be phased in slowly over time but if he shows ability it won't be long before he's firmly entrenched in the starting 11 I would think uh yeah let's hope because he appears to be very talented um so let's move on to a very very sad story uh Tony Sperano the Vikings offensive line coach passed away on Sunday at uh I believe the age of 56 58 maybe 56 Um, yeah the former head coach of the Miami Dolphins uh, for a brief period was the interim head coach of the Raiders. Uh, really the innovator who brought the Wildcat to the NFL in 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, just just a really, really sad story all around. Um, and Vikings training camp opens this week. You know? Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on, on the man that Tony Sprano was, the coach? And uh, camp opening this week. Yeah, you know, just uh, just a really really terrible way to to start your training camp out. You know, with with the news that the coach Spo uh, has passed away, and um, you know, certainly we send our best wishes to his family and you know everyone in the Vikings family as well that that knew him. And you know, from all accounts, he was an absolutely wonderful uh, assistant. You know, on the staff and. I'll say my favorite memory of, of Tony Sperano was 
as coach of the Dolphins, like you said, I don't know why I still remember this, but you know, he brought his Dolphins into the Metrodome and he was still wearing his signature, you know, blacked out sunglasses, even inside the, the Metrodome. Yeah, you and, know, uh, I've been I've been listening to a bunch of stuff about him this week, obviously. It's been a, a topic around town. And um I think my favorite story that I heard was that he, he was a God fearing man. Uh he passed away, you know, right before going to church with his wife. Yeah. Um, but every Saturday night or Sunday morning, um, when the team would have, have church services, uh, e- even then he would walk into church and would never take off his sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Um, so certainly, you know, I think Tony's going to leave, uh, leave big shoes, you know, to fill in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, I certainly think the Vikings are, will take their their proper time to, to grieve his loss. You know, when they uh, all convene, you know, for the start of training camp. You know, like you said, he was the offensive line coach, but certainly I think a great offensive mind in a lot of ways. And I, you know, I'm sure he he meant a lot to, to not only the offensive guys but but the defensive guys who you know saw him at practice every day. So you know, just a really unfortunate way uh, to start training camp and. You know, hopefully uh, the Vikings will will have a great season in honor of, of the late Tony Sperano. Absolutely, I think that there's always two ways that things like this can go. I think in I th- it was 2001, I think, when Corey Springer Corey Stringer, excuse Stringer, me, yeah. passed away. And that team, I think, it, it's a different situation because of how it happened and and stuff like that. But that team was just in a daze for the entirety of the season. I mean. They, they just didn't recover from that. And you, you can't blame them. I mean, there's, there's no. no handbook on how to on how to come back from that, if you know what I mean. Um, but then in other situations, something like this could galvanize a team to do something incredible. And, um, and hopefully it's the latter. I don't mean to make light of the death of Tony Sprino and say that, you know, it just talk about the football impact but there is a reality here that the show must go on and so um it'll be interesting to see how his passing does does impact the team yeah and you know like you were saying about grieving you know grieving takes a lot of different forms and uh but you know i think with mike zimmer at the helm you know he certainly knows a lot about personal loss in his life having lost his wife uh to cancer uh, a few years ago, I think, and yep, you, you know, I think Mike Zimmer, he he knows how to set the right tone, and I I think he'll make sure that that the guys understand, you know, just kind of what you said that that the show must go on, but that you know they're playing for for of course their their former uh, coach that that meant so much to a lot of them, I'm sure, and you know I think they'll they'll be very professional about it, but at the same time, you know, I I think Coach Zim. Like I said, he understands that, so he'll give he'll give the guys you know that proper space to grieve if they need to. Yeah, you know, I think how much he um, Tony Sperano meant to just everyone in the Vikings organization was very obvious today when Mike Zimmer and um, the general manager Rick Spielman gave press conferences. You know, both men who are tough. You know, guys, guys, as people would say, right. They got the and, rugged exterior. Yeah, and they were both very emotional. I mean, both guys had tears in their eyes talking about Coach Sperano. 
And so, you know, Coach Sperano certainly had that rough exterior, but it's very obvious that he had a human impact on these guys uh, as, well as, as well as a football impact. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, uh, listening to Rick Spielman's press conference, um, the last week, and, and these weren't publicized as much, but the last week was really rough on the Minnesota Vikings family as a whole. Um, obviously, the death of Tony Sperano, but uh, Bud Grant's son passed away in the last week. Oh, wow. And the son of the team dentist passed away in the last week. And Rick Spielman mentioned both of those in his press conference today. And so, you know, really, obviously not the way the team wants to start training camp um, with such heavy hearts. But, but, but like I said, the show must go on and, uh, and players start reporting. I think rookies reported yesterday. So, Yeah, I, I think I saw some... Uh some things on social media about the rookies reporting and you know certainly uh hope the Vikings training camp you know other than than these incidents runs uh runs smoothly as we switch maybe to the more football side of it yeah absolutely. um you know obviously the, the fewer injuries and, and things that come out of training camp the better um it'll be interesting to see how it runs this year first year in Egan at the new uh Twin Cities Orthopedics yep uh, football center, whatever they want to call it. Um, but yeah, fo- football is uh, is back in full swing. I, I prefer to call it Wilf World. I don't know about you. Oh, Wilf World. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Um, it's, it's definitely has a better ring to it. One football thing that I did have noted down. Um, <laughs> it's also kind of sad. Uh, I think that this is the end of the Marcus Shales era in in purple and gold yeah certainly it sounds like that way you know uh first round pick mike hughes was a a dynamic returner in college uh for the ucf golden knights had a few highlight plays for the 2017 national champions um (laughs) and uh no but yeah it it will be sad to see you know mark shirls go uh certainly the former golden gopher you know he's been homegrown through and through former golden gopher from rochester uh, nonetheless, so you know, if this is the end of uh, of Mark Sherrill's time in Minnesota, let's hope he lands on his feet somewhere, and maybe, uh, you know, I think some team on their fifty three might have a spot for him, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, you know, I don't think dynamic punt returners are easy to come by in this league. Uh, he's also an incredible gunner. I mean, any special teams you ask him to play, he does and does it well. And so yeah. I think somebody will find value in that. I just think that the corner position here in Minnesota now is just. It's too deep, if we're being honest, you know. Uh, Mike Hughes being the first-round pick, they signed. I'm going to space on his name right now. Um, but a uh, rookie free agent out of Texas uh, uh, yes. for, I think, a, a record amount of money for a rookie free agent for the Vikings. Um, I think they paid him $800,000 to sign with them. Yeah, uh, so that's a sign of someone they expect to be yeah. Yeah, uh, and and he wasn't drafted because of because of off the field reasons, uh, which has never held Mike Zimmer back from a player, and and honestly, no. nor should it because Mike Zimmer has a track record with being able to take those players in and not having problems with them, and so, um, 
you know, we thought Adam Pacman Jones' career was over after he left the Tennessee Titans. And he went to Cincinnati under Mike Zimmer. And I can't remember one incident while Mike Zimmer was there that Adam Pacman Jones was involved in. And so, um, you know, he, he's not afraid of those kinds of players. And so I see that guy making the roster as well. And if really it comes down to if those two guys make the team, I don't think there's any way Marcus Shales is on the team. Yeah, I would agree. You know, there were really a couple of roster spots potentially for Marcus Sherrill's. One was filled, like you said, when uh, they, they signed the undrafted free agent, and the other was uh, filled when Terrence Newman decided he was coming back for one more year. Yep. And that was uh, that's really that. Yeah, you know, I think that Marcus Sherrill's could be an incredible special teams coach one day. Yeah, coaching is uh, is in the blood, certainly. Yeah. Uh, his brother Mike was uh, – was it – no, it wasn't DBs. It was linebackers, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah, his brother Mike was a linebackers coach uh, with the U of M for a while, and uh, yeah, you know, Mark Sherrill's. I mean, he's he's given a lot to the game, and he's given a lot to the franchise, and you know, a lot to the some, state, lots to the state, lots to the state. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you like to see maybe, uh, you know, like I, I certainly don't think this is the end of his football days, but if it is, you know. Hope he lands on his feet somewhere. Maybe you know, getting to stay in state with either uh, the Vikings or uh, or the Gophers in some kind of coaching role. Absolutely. Do you have anything else on the Vikings? Uh, no, no, not that I can think of immediately. No. Well, then let's move on to your sport and your team, the Minnesota Wild. In the last week, giving. Uh, five plus million dollar per year deals to both Jason Zucker and Matt Dumba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, uh, the Jason Zucker news just breaking today. Uh, as we were thinking about starting to record, record this podcast, so uh, yeah, we have both uh, arbitration guys signed up. Dumba was six years, no, five years. Five years, uh, thirty mil. Yep, five and- years, thirty mil, and then Zucker five years, uh, twenty-seven and a half mil. So. Uh, similar deals for both players, you know, as far as uh, as far as the per year Dumba Dumba on six and Zucker five and a half. I think if you're a Wild fan, you know, you're happy. You should be happy with both, in my opinion. Um, there are maybe things you don't want to be happy with about these. Well, not not specifically these deals, but certainly seemed to to sound like after. Zucker signed today. They're not really planning on making any other moves this offseason. So uh, that you know, much anticipated trade doesn't sound like it's uh, it's going to happen. You know, I almost prefer that from a new GM instead of mm-hmm. instead of coming in and just completely shaking everything up. This is a team that's made the playoffs six years in a row now, right? And so that's correct. You know. Obviously, they they don't have that thing to get them over the hump. But how is Paul Fenton from the outside looking in? I mean, he he's still pretty much from the outside looking in at this point. He hasn't spent real significant time with these players and with the coaching staff and and watching them play together. And so, um, I think that maybe spending half a season around the team. And really, really understanding what makes this team click 
can can help him make a more educated move as opposed to coming in here and shaking things up just for the sake of shaking things up. Yeah, I think that's actually a really, really good point. And, you know, that's sort of where my mind was tracking a little bit. Part of me was like, oh, you know, kind of disappointed we weren't going to make the move. But, you know, part of me understands where Paul Fenton wants to be level-headed about this. You know, he doesn't want to make a a rash decision that's going to, you know, potentially be for the worse. Certainly he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to make a, you know, rash decision without first collecting, you know, a lot of evidence. And uh, so, you know, you can't really fault fault him for that. And I think, you know, the two contracts that they were able to get are are both pretty good deals. You look at uh, Dumba, you know, uh, a guy who had a career high in points last year, 50-some. And he's still only 23, 24. Yeah, I think uh, I'll look this up here. Matt Dumba, he either turned 24 or 25 this summer. I can't quite remember. I think it was 24, probably. Yeah, just turned 24 today, actually. Today is Matt Dumba's 24th birthday, so happy birthday, Matthew Dumba. But, yeah, 24 years old. So we have uh, have him signed up through his age 29 season at $6 million per year. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Nothing wrong with that. That's a no-brainer, in get, my opinion. Getting getting 50 points as a right-shot defenseman in your age 23 season is is top money earn, like worthy in the NHL. Yes. You know, yes, obviously yes. he has some, some mental mistakes, but I think we forget that he is still young, and being a young defenseman in this league is, is much different than being a young offensive player, you know? Guys like uh, Austin Matthews and um, the kid up in Edmonton, whose name on Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid came into the league and just took the took the league by storm. But that that doesn't happen for young defensemen. Um, That's true. It it takes time for them to solidify themselves and to you know really truly understand the game. And so for Dumba to have those offensive capabilities and still have that that top end potential as a, as a defensive player, you know, hopefully learning under Ryan Suter still, um, I think he can only get better. And so I, I really think that they got a good deal. You know, I saw a lot of people being a little miffed that he got as much as he did, um, because of those, you know, mental mistakes he still sometimes makes, but 50 points in an age 23 season from a right shot defenseman, like I said, is, is absolutely nothing to scoff at. No, and I know one of those people <laughs> that's probably scoffing is, uh, is my dad when he finds out. <laughs> you know, he's he's always on the more negative side of things, you know, where he's going to look at a player's mistakes before their strengths. And I don't know. I don't like to evaluate that way necessarily, but you got to take the good with the bad, obviously. But, you know, you look at Dumba. He's played, you know, four full seasons with the Wild. His goal total has increased every year. It's gone from 8 to 10 to 11 to a career-high 14 season ago. His assists, same thing, 8 to 16 to 23 to 36. So he's gotten better every season. Um, he's, you know, he's been a plus player ever since he came in the league, especially I saw last year he was like plus 14, 5-on-5. Five five. So, you know, I, maybe the narrative that he's bad defensively isn't, does, isn't as credible as we think, given that, if I remember, I feel like he played a lot of last season with Jonas Brodeen yeah, on the did. back end. And, uh, you know, certainly Brodeen's 
a little steadier in his own end than, than Dumba is. And Dumba's able to take more risks with Brodine as his partner. But I think there's every indication that Matt Dumba is a pretty decent five-on-five player. And his shot, you know, is, is quite dynamic. So there's no reason to think he can't end up with 10 to 15 goals if you know that if not pushing 20 some seasons this may be an ignorant question but i'm sure you'll know it did matthew dumba have more points than charlie coyle last year oh he most definitely did wow um just because coyle well coyle didn't play the whole season yeah fair um but I'll, i'll check it for you right now actually on the wild website here um dumba was fifth on the team with 51 points uh, only trailing Stahl, Granlin, Zucker, and Suter. Coyle had 37 in 66 games, which means he was actually even averaging less points per game uh, than Dumble was, to be honest. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think Matt Dumba trusts his shot more on the back end than Charlie Coyle <laughs> does as a forward. Uh, I think I trust Matt, Matt Dumba's shot more than Charlie Coyle's at this point. Uh, Which is is sad because I mean Charlie Coyle he scored twenty one goals a couple seasons ago his shooting percentage was fifteen which is actually really good uh, and then the season after he actually shot the puck more scored less but still eleven percent shooting which is is not bad and last season he had you know he was coming off wrist surgery right and he only had nine percent shooting percentage but he just shot the puck less so. You know, I want to see, uh, want to see Charlie get that confidence back. But you know, he's such a streaky player. But this isn't about Charlie Coyle. Speaking um, of Charlie Coyle, his best friend on the team, Jason Zucker, yes, is the other guy to sign an extension. Uh, I think this town, similar to Christian Ramirez, may have revolted if uh, if this deal didn't get done with Jason Zucker. You know, I would have been right up there to be honest. I, I really wanted to see Jason Zucker brought back. You know, I know he gets criticized for his playoff performance, but my gosh, I mean, what has the rest of the roster done in the playoffs? So, you know, it would have been absolutely insane, in my opinion, to not bring back a, a 30-goal scorer. I mean, he's another guy who's just gotten better just about every season he's been in the NHL. I mean, you know, I guess injuries hampered him for a while, and I guess maybe people forget the Wild were close to trading him coming off a down year in 2016 you know they signed him to a two-year bridge deal to see what he could do and all he's done ever since is 55 goals and over 100 points in two seasons so he's been uh duly rewarded as uh as the solid goal scorer he is yeah the way mike russo put it was two seasons ago they asked him to sign a prove it deal and all he has done since then is prove it yeah i couldn't have said it any better than than mike there and you know, he's a he's obviously a smart guy, so um yeah. You know, excited to see Jason Zucker back and you know, we kinda touched on this a little earlier about the sentimental side of things, but you know, from a sentimental side, I'm happy to see Jason Zucker brought back. You know, he's a fan favorite in Minnesota. Um his family has taken well here. Um, you know, I know his wife, uh, you know, she's on K Fan all the time. She has her own show on K Fan, I believe. Um you know, they've started as a couple of the Give 16 uh, campaign, you know, after their uh, relationship with a, a University of Minnesota Children's Hospital patient. You know, they've just meant a lot to the community over the past few years. And I think it's you can't underestimate the value of bringing somebody like that back 
and it was a smart hockey decision too. I'm not just saying to just do that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, last season the um, I I don't know any of the award names in the NHL, but it's the equivalent of the Walter Payton Man of the Year in the NHL, uh-huh. right? Um, Jason Zucker was a finalist for that alongside the Sedin twins and uh, you know I don't remember the last guy. Uh, perhaps you do. I don't know. Um, but you know. Players that are up for that award are usually um, usually kind of mainstay guys. You know that you also have to be a good player. Is what I'm saying. They don't they don't yeah. usually give it out to a to a fourth line winger. And oh, that's so, true. Um, for him to be a finalist for that award, um, I think that it really shows how much he means to this community. But not only that, that, that he's also a, a deserving hockey player. You know what I mean? Um, and finalists for that award, I think, should be rewarded um, financially because, you know, in, in all athletics right now, there's not a great narrative going around about players and athletes. And uh, I know this has kind of been an, a negative podcast, but um, and not to bring it down further... But I think that, that players that do stuff like Jason is doing and, and just how much he's out in the community, you know, him, uh, Kyle Rudolph is another name that just does so much in the community yes. that's, that's just absolutely incredible. Um, and so I think guys like that deserve to be awarded and, and really deserve to be on a pedestal because they're two guys that will now be in Minnesota for a long time that got new contracts recently um, that parents right now can can point their kids to and say that this is somebody that you need that you should idolize um, if if sports is your thing and so keeping keeping the Zucker the Zucker family the give 16 foundation and and Jason's play on the ice is is nothing but a positive in my mind yeah absolutely agree you know like how is like I was alluding to, yeah, smart business decision and I think a smart, uh, you know, human factor decision as well. So really happy to see uh, to see Jason and, you know, his family. And, you know, uh, they have a uh, couple kids already. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they're excited you know, to, to raise the family in Minnesota for the next five years. And, you know, we're happy to have them. Absolutely. Um, so do you have anything else just, just in the world of sports that is pressing on your mind that you need to talk about? Ooh, you know, I mean, maybe we'll, we'll get to this in a, in a future podcast, but, uh, you know, Premier League soccer is just a couple <laughs> weeks away. Maybe we'll have to get Andrew Johnson on to, uh, to talk a little Premier League season preview, a little uh, transfer window, maybe his reaction to, uh, to the World Cup final. But, yeah, certainly uh, – European soccer starting up again yeah um, my favorite team Everton just made a big move this week signing uh, uh, winger striker Ricarlson Brazilian Uh, 21 year old from Watford uh, comes along with our coach Marco Silva Um, I don't know what Arsenal's done I'm sure you do Uh, oh uh, yeah Arsenal (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I really like Arsenal's window so far. Um, they brought in, you know, a new keeper to probably replace Petr Cech starting this season. Um, 
couple of depth pieces as well, uh, a new center back, and then uh, a new defensive midfielder to, to maybe put in there besides Aaron Ramsey. So it's been a really positive window for Arsenal. First time in 20 years since they've had a new manager at the helm. So really excited to see how the team plays. But yeah, hopefully we can get uh, Andrew Johnson on here soon in the next week or so to to preview the EPL season. Um, so yeah, beyond that, do you have anything else? I do not. Do you? I do not. That that uh, that's my list. So right. um, I guess we'll go through social media real quick. Follow us on Twitter at uh, sav underscore sports. Um. We're uh, trying to build that brand up a little bit. We just updated our website, so you can oh, go. To, you can go to www.savagesports.biz. It's no longer a weird URL, so that should be helpful. Uh, what were you gonna say? You know, I meant to say this uh, off air to you, but you know, on air works plenty well <laughs> to do the job. The, the website is looking snazzy. Uh, Really, really liking it, um, especially with our new URL. We're going to be a lot easier to find uh, by name, which is fantastic as well. Um, and then I saw the new podcast tab uh, as well to keep track of of all your favorite Savage Sports podcasts, and that's also looking great. So uh, things are really, you know, they're coming together nicely, and uh, we're, we're really excited about what's going on. Yeah, you know, we've uh, added a couple people onto the team too recently. Uh unfortunately he was on vacation for the last week but matt fine uh has joined to mostly i think he'll talk about college football but um you know whatever's whatever's on his mind and then uh jack alleman has reached out and wants to talk uh formula one racing um i know that that's something he's big time into and just uh all things chicago sports you know i know he's moving there soon and so uh he said he'd really like to talk chicago sports the way i sometimes do minnesota sports brain dumps on you all yeah. uh, on the website and so uh i'm really excited about that yeah that's fantastic uh you know just getting more you know minds interested and you know if, if you're interested in, in as well you know helping us out with whatever perspective you can bring you know feel free to reach out uh i'm sure we can carve up a role for you and you know, get you involved with uh, with what we're trying to put together. So, you know, and that's if even even if we know you or if we don't, you know, we would uh, we would love to hear from you and just any feedback as well. Yeah, on the you website. know, tweet at us, DM us. There's a comment section on the website. Uh, yep. You know, one or all of the above are are all um, are all up there on the table. So. And, and oh, fantastic. Yeah, so a little dead air there. Um, but, you know, if you want to do, if you don't think you're good at something, DM us, you know, send us something because I'm sure you're better than you think you are. Um, whether it be you want a podcast, you want to create videos, we don't have any content like that yet. Um, I've been working on it, but I'm not the brightest mind in that field. Uh, whether you want to write, um, you know, there's so many different mediums, uh, that we've yet to explore. And, uh, if that's something you're interested in, yeah, absolutely. Uh, send us, send us some sort of, uh, message. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd love to see more, you know, social media engagement as well. And we can certainly do a better job of that. I think, you know, maybe uh, it could be something as simple as starting a question of the day thing. You know, send us a question. We'll videotape ourselves answering it, you know, giving yeah. our thoughts or maybe even pick a topic of the day uh, to talk about. So uh, certainly we're going to, I think, especially on the social media side of things, look into expanding that and trying to engage you all more. Uh, one last thing. Uh, hopefully you're all still listening. Um, we have t-shirts. Uh, the first order came out, uh, and were given to, to people that have been involved in Savage Sports, but we're now selling them. Uh, they're going to be $35. They are really, really nice long sleeve Savage Sports t-shirts with our logo on them. And, um, you know, our little catchphrase on the back, uh, we need 10 people to get the first order in. Uh, we're about halfway there right now. Um, but if you have any interest in a t-shirt, uh, DM me or text me or email me or tweet me or leave a comment on Instagram. Or uh, Yeah, if you want a t-shirt, let me know, let Brandon know. Let, if you know anybody in the Savage Sports family, let them know. They'll get in contact with me. Um, what are your thoughts on the t-shirts, Brandon, and would you recommend them? Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> 10 out of 10 recommend. They are super comfy. Uh, they're the really nice performance type. I don't know, like, the technical term, but, you know, just a nice, like, performance t-shirt and long sleeve, you know. You know you're going to need a long sleeve t-shirt. It's coming up uh, with fall right around the corner, uh, just a week away from August. And, I mean, I heard maybe fall weather even tomorrow in Minnesota. So if you're itching to... Uh, to buy yourself a nice fall t-shirt I think this one is is should be right at the top of your list alright well at this point we've taken up enough of your time contact us about anything t-shirts questions you want to work uh, what's your twitter Brandon oh I always forget this I will check real quick my twitter is at brando sprat 7 all, all lowercase uh, mine is at Ross Chalk, uh, kind of like Rock Chalk, but you know, little, little play on words there. Um, my Instagram is Ross Chalk. Uh, maybe we'll my Instagram would be Beastbrat too. Maybe we'll start doing some stuff on Instagram. The the um, company's account is at Sav underscore Sports. You can. Figure out the rest. Thank you for listening. I'm Austin Roswell. And I'm Brandon Spratt. And we will talk to you all next time. Oh. 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 Oh.